we are nearing the end of the year, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop doing great episodes with amazing people in tech. Today, we're talking to Yuri Bialik. He is the head of strategy and acquisitions at Unfolio Holdings. That's uh, traded on the NASDAQ under the ticker ONFO. It's my pleasure to welcome Yuri to the podcast here. So Yuri, thank you so much again for making the time from Thailand, especially. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Well, Yuri, I mean, I think the intro was was uh, pretty interesting, but do you mind just telling the audience a little bit more about yourself so uh, we can we can get a better sense of who you are and what, what you do um, for Unfolio? Sure. Um, so I'd say professionally, my background is more in the digital marketing side. Um, I've spent most of my uh, adult career um, doing SEO. Um, and actually, in addition to doing uh, M&A for Unfolio, I also manage uh, two SEO agencies, one of which we actually uh, acquired um, uh, under the Unfolio brand right after uh, we went public. Um, but um, yeah, so with uh, with Unfolio, um, basically, I'm in, uh, in charge of doing the deal flow. So uh, what that means is basically uh, I need to find businesses, uh, good opportunities for us to acquire um, so I'm out there scouting different uh, marketplaces, uh, looking at listings from brokers. Um, we have some inbound deal flow and then also doing some some uh, custom outreach as well, uh, just looking for good businesses to buy. Um, and then, as I mentioned, also running uh, two SEO agencies as well. Yeah, no, that's really fascinating. How did, how did you get your start over there? Just uh, were you part of the founding team or like what, what got you to, to work for them? So I actually used to live in New York and I was working at like a big consulting company and I was kind of uh, fed up with it. And uh, I decided that I, I want, I've always wanted to try kind of the digital nomad lifestyle. So, you know, I got rid of my apartment, I, I quit my job and I moved to Bali for, uh, for like six months. Um, and there um, I found Unfolio through uh, a mutual organization that the CEO, Dom Wells, and I are part of. It's called Dynamite Circle. So it's like this entrepreneurial organization and we have a community and, and meetups uh, kind of all over the world. And so we connected through there and I had originally just started doing some SEO consulting for their properties. Um, and over time, uh, kind of my responsibilities grew. I came on full time and eventually transitioned into, uh, into this larger role where I'm doing uh, kind of both uh, the CEO of a couple of companies and then uh, the M&A as well. Interesting. I feel like you know, a type of company and and job position for this is for this is I don't know a little bit more unheard of. Uh, so so Unfolio, just to get my understanding, is they're a company that looks for uh, in, innovative other smaller innovative companies and buys them out. But uh, instead of selling out for a profit, they just run them. <laughs> but uh, what I guess like how did how did that whole business model come out come about just because uh it's i'm not saying it's strange but you know uh I mean? it's actually it's actually pretty common these days but um the business model actually started a little bit differently um so unfolio used to help investors acquire online businesses and run it for them um and over time uh you know we came to the realization that it's a better business model that uh we acquire the the businesses ourselves rather than the investors right because the upside is there um, so I, I think you, you're constantly hearing of like website flippers. So they'll buy a business, they'll they'll grow uh-huh. it, and then they'll they'll sell it for more. And that's I mean that's a great business model as well, um, and it can be super lucrative. 
Um, but we, we're kind of in it more for the long term. Um, so if you think of it like a, you could think of us as kind of like digital real estate uh, investors. So, you know, traditionally okay. you hear like real estate investors, they buy property and they just collect rent for forever. Right. So it's, it's kind of similar. We buy the online businesses, um, which are monetized and we, you know, we collect the revenues from the monetization. Uh, we grow them as much as we can. And we just, you know, it, that's kind of, it's just a long-term play. We have no intention of, of selling them. Yeah, that's quite fascinating. How do you, uh, how do you determine what maybe, you know, it's venture capital route and they'll make investments and then private equity. And then there's like M&A for the investment banks, mm-hmm. but uh, for Onfolio, yeah. you know, do you guys so, have a certain budget a year? Or like- we started off buying kind of smaller sites in like the, you know, the low six figure range. Then it went up higher to the mid six figure range. Um, right now, ideally our acquisitions, uh, the, the minimum criteria is that it's making like a net profit of 500,000 a year. Um, we look for businesses, particularly in the digital products and services space. So it could be like um, courses, uh, um, like digital agencies, uh, different products, uh, productized services. Um, and I, we, we like to stick to a couple, uh, a couple audiences and kind of build flywheels around, right? So we don't want to buy one, one business that caters to like lawyers and another one caters to doctors. Um, ideally, we buy businesses that are focused around the same audience. So um, the upside is much greater than we can cross promote uh, different assets. And overall, the Average lifetime customer value is higher when uh, you have businesses built around the same audience. That's interesting. But uh, once Unfolio purchases a company, what uh, what happens to like that company's you know existing employees? Do they stick around or you know get re reshifted around or what goes on? So I, ideally, the entire team comes with the business and they will continue working for us. Um, but that doesn't always happen um generally especially with the owner the owner usually like as soon as they sell the business they like to leave which is understandable so we replace them um either we bring in like a owner operator to run the business or we promote somebody internally um but we're not one of those companies where you know once we acquire a business we try to like you know cut on expenses and get rid of staff no we try to keep the entire team in place um but we've also had acquisitions where um you know, the owner owns other businesses and he wants the entire team to work on his other businesses, in which case, you know, we have a window of a couple months where we need to like hire a replacement for the entire team. I hear you. Yeah. So um, I think another impressive thing about Infolio is uh, they trade on the NASDAQ and, and they're a public company. Have you guys been public for a long time or, you know, have you been there ever since? No, this is actually a recent development. Uh, so we got listed maybe about four months ago. Um, so it was a, it was like a long process in the making, um, and it it got delayed multiple times. Um, but you know, uh, it finally happened, and you know, now we use the proceeds from the from the IPO to purchase the businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a little bit more sense. I could I could go buy on listeners of the podcast. They can invest in Onfolio. So that's a not a not a joke <laughs> or you know you know what i mean it's not exactly what you said what i'm trying to say just uh just, we could confirm that you can you can definitely buy buy shares on folio Yuri, so i just want one one thing i want to get into is like so so on folio seems like an umbrella company it's is it a little bit like berkshire hathaway or is that the wrong analogy uh i mean you could kind of think of it that way right so under the Unfolio brand we have 
um, sort of these other businesses that we buy or have purchased. So for example, uh, mightydeals.com, seobutler.com, proofreadanywhere.com. Uh, we purchased two WordPress plugins. Um, so, I mean, they might, be, they might be like their own separate like LLC or entities, but they're all contained under like, you know, the, the Unfolio company. Um, and yeah, like you said, you know, anybody can go on and buy stock and that way be like a partial owner of Unfolio. Um, and I guess one thing that differentiates us from like other companies who do something similar, but they're not publicly traded is, you know, we have to disclose absolutely everything. So all our finances, everything's out in the open. Um, so I, that's kind of one difference between us and some other companies that anybody can just take a look at our numbers, our books and see what we're doing. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I'm I'm actually looking at uh, like a little bit more of uh, the company, and it says there's only eight employees. Is that is that correct? Can you can you confirm or uh, deny that? <laughs> I think that's an old number. We definitely have more than eight right now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Robin Hood. So, <laughs> so so I guess like how how is it for you just looking looking? How, okay, so once you find a company that's a potential you know uh, acquisition. What exactly happens from your end since, you know, you handle the, the strategy side or the deal side? Do you do you just cold email them or like, you know, like do they sometimes, I mean, the inbound, they come to you too. And like, what do you think makes them want to want to be, you know, purchased by, by you guys just because it's an yeah. interesting process? Yeah. So I, we get leads from different sources. Um, I'd say the majority of them still come from uh, brokers and marketplaces, although uh, we now have. Uh, some help on that side where uh, we have people helping us with the deal flow and bringing us uh, leads. Um, I think one reason, you know, people are, would pick us over somebody else is kind of what I mentioned is, you know, a lot of people who sell their businesses, they want their team to be well taken care of. And that's one thing we do is, you know, we make sure we don't let people go. Whereas, uh, other companies, maybe uh, VC companies, you know, they start trying to make layoffs and cut down expenses to boost the revenue. That's not something we do. So uh, I think we have an advantage there. Um, you know, we're all very personal. We get on the phone. People like working with us. So, um, you know, I think that's a good sign. And in general, I think we have we have a good reputation. Uh, we've worked with, you know, we're pretty well known in the industry. We work with a lot of different brokers and marketplaces. Um, and as far as like how the process goes, so, you know, I review, I might review a couple hundred businesses for every one business we end up uh, doing, sending out an LOI, which is a letter of intent. Um, and so basically, you know, I review every, like the businesses from all different aspects, um, looking at their financials, their analytics, um, their, their team, their operations. Um, and then, you know, we review it internally, we run it by our board. And when we see, you know, something we like, we'll, we'll make an offer on it with an LOI. And then we start uh, the due diligence phase. Um, we have some other requirements that we have to do as a public company, um, like financial audits and things like that. Um, and, but basically, once that's done, the due diligence phase, sign uh, an APA, which is an asset purchase agreement, and then uh, it goes into escrow where um, we take over all the different uh, accounts. And once those are received, you know, we notify escrow to release the money to the uh, the sellers. So how how, did, how does Unfolio, I guess, generate its own revenue? Is it purely from the acquisitions and over time that once they own the business they recognize all their all their businesses existing cash flow and assets and all that stuff is that how well all that business and uh, current just just revenue and, and is that and then that becomes part of onfolio going 
forward from the acquisition or like how, how does um how do you guys make make uh, your money just curious yeah yeah so all the revenue comes from uh all the different businesses right and every business is monetized differently so a content site might have its revenue from display ads um we have an e-commerce site in our portfolio so the revenue there is from the sale of products uh with the seo agency it's from the sale of seo services uh like wordpress plugins um, so yeah, each of those businesses generates revenue and that revenue goes, uh, you know, they're all basically under the Unfolio brand. So, uh, that all goes to Unfolio. Wow. Yeah. That's quite fascinating. So you're running at any, are you, well, I mean, you're not, once Unfolio has the company under their umbrella, you guys aren't running it completely. Are you? Because like, I feel like, you know, if you have 50 companies that run it, that's, that's kind of a large, like, uh, large headache <laughs> i don't know no, we know. are <laughs> oh. yeah we, we we run all the companies right so like like i mentioned before ideally all the companies already come within uh, existing teams where we just need to bring in um sort of like the ceo position uh to manage it but yeah you know for, uh, the more acquisitions we make the larger our company becomes because every single business we buy generally comes with uh, with a team i hear you what, what do you think the the key value add from from uh the entrepreneur looking at being acquired um sees sees from uh the unfolio side is it is it more of a but you know just experts you know the space to to take the company into uh new new levels or what has been their feedback you're like what, what do you people you work with yeah i mean generally business owners are looking to cash out right um a lot of times you know, because the multiples for, uh, especially in this, in, in for the businesses we buy, they're somewhere in the, uh, you know, maybe from the uh, the three to four and a half x uh, year uh, EBITDA range, right? So, uh, you know, hypothetically, if somebody's making, you know, a million dollars a year, you know, they can get like a pretty nice payday when they sell their business. And so, I'd say that's kind of the main motivation for most sellers is. You know, they they just want to take some money off the table. Um, maybe they want to retire. Um, I I tell you, a lot of business owners they ha- either have multiple businesses or they want to sell one and start another one um, because a lot of these people are very intra- entrepreneurial. So they're always working on different things, and it's a way for them, you know, to get rewarded for all the work um, and effort that they've uh, brought to the business, building it up over the years, and it's a big payday for them when they decide to sell. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Entrepreneur side is, uh, you know, once once a company can be bought or qualifies for, uh, I'd say, you know, influx of cash. Uh, that's that's definitely a successful thing. Do you know like what the typical deal size is? Just I guess from you know how much on yeah. on folio typically you know buys a company for yeah. or is it yeah. So, um, because so because we're looking at a specific uh, revenue range, which is like the five hundred thousand EBITDA, right? So the sale price of that might be anywhere from you know one point eight to you know it starts at one point eight million and it'll go up. Um, so you know two million, three million, four million. Um, you know as we continue to grow, that number is going to go higher. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. I think that. Uh definitely benefit from from something like this and i guess that's another thing i want to ask you too if, if a company's you know performing well with like good cash flow what, what do you think stops them from just hiring a new like ceo to take over and then just uh 
you know, taking a board position or something. Um, if, if it's like from the entrepreneur, if it's from the founder perspective or the founder of uh, mm-hmm. XYZ company, because, um, you know, some, sometimes people can be not wanting to sell. And I guess mm-hmm. this is a part of your job to also convince them to, I, I'm sure it is to sell to you guys. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I guess, you know, not not all entrepreneurs have the skill set to take it uh, where the potential might be, right? So they might have, you know, they were able to take it from like zero to 50, but then, you know, in order for it to grow further, they need uh, either maybe a different skill set or they might need somebody with deeper pockets to put into marketing. Um, so that's, that's one reason. Uh, another one is... Um, you know, there's always inherent risks with running a business, right? There's a lot of different changes, algorithm changes with Google, uh, iOS updates, uh, recession. So there's a lot of risk of continuing to to run a business uh, and, you know, maintaining profitability over the years. So one is, you know, business uh, owners might just be kind of hedging their bets and they want to take money off the table now just in case something happens in the future. Um, there's definitely instances, right, where um, somebody will hire like a CEO to replace them um, so they can work on their other ideas and that business does well under the new CEO. So yeah, that definitely does happen. Um, I wouldn't say I try to convince anybody to sell their business. Um, You know, ideally we're working with individuals who are already looking to sell um, because I think when, when you have to convince somebody to sell, they're probably going to, they might not be mentally ready and then they might regret it or they might be wanting a higher multiple just because you know some people you know value like kind of their time commitment and emotions more than what the business is actually worth um and that's not a deal that makes sense for anyone <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's a good point i think that uh yeah i mean i think it's just yeah, that's just uh more into who entrepreneurs are like uh they 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 value only they can understand their their emotions and and uh uh underlying um ties to the the business so quite quite interesting uh what what what, uh yeah i got a question for you like what what do you think in your previous career previous work experiences in your career kind of prepared you for a job like this just and i just love to hear that from you so uh by education i am an attorney although i never actually practiced so i think that kind of helped with uh, understanding some some cer- certain business aspects and legal aspects of M&A. Um, but I think what prepared me most is actually working in digital marketing because I've worked at a number of different agencies. Um, I've worked in-house at e-commerce companies. I've worked at consulting companies. And what happens is when you have that kind of diverse experience, right, you get a lot of insights into what businesses do well, what industries do well. Um, yeah, for better or worse, I've just spent a lot of time on on, on the internet, uh, growing up, um, running my own businesses, and it, it makes it easier for me to do to do the deal flow just because I have experience in a lot of different industries and looking at different websites and uh, working with different people. So um, it I, it just gives me the ability to ha- to kind of have that insight to evaluate the opportunities because what happens is when you're when you're looking at a business for sale and if you're not familiar with the industry or with certain things that might be specific to that industry um, it's hard to do like the the due diligence so let me give you an example like um, sure. I saw a business for sale by a broker and it was in the payday loan space which is like a super super scammy industry and. If you actually look like a lot of the um, 
like the big social media companies, they won't let you run paid ads for payday loans. So at one point, like, I don't know if this is the case, but Google had uh, stopped allowing you to do like, uh, to run paid ads using AdWords for something like that. So if this is like not an industry you wouldn't be familiar with, um, you might be looking at it, it might seem like a good opportunity on the surface, but you know, it, it, it would be a real big pain in the ass running that kind of company. There was another business I saw, it was sort of in the kind of in the, sort of in the steroid vertical or, or it was something like performance enhancements for like bodybuilders. Okay. But it was, it was another one of those where it was a very sketchy gray area that like an owner would have a lot of problems for. And that's why, you know, due diligence is so important is to make sure you uncover those things, especially in industries where you're not familiar with. I, I completely agree with that. I, I also, I, I mean, I guess I'm finding out you have a decade of about a, dec- a decade plus experience with uh, SEO and, and marketing that that's that's really cool um, how did uh, how did you get into that or like you know <laughs> did just yeah, uh, stumble on it or like well what happened was um, I when I was in law school I I was like you know I was learning digital marketing at the same time just because it's something I, I was always interested in running websites and I had built a couple of uh, content sites and affiliate sites uh, when I was in law school and then when I graduated, uh, I decided to sell all those websites to a legal marketing company called LexisNexis. Um, they were really big at the time. They owned like lawyers.com, attorneys.com, and they would do they ring a uh, bell, marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they would do marketing for, for lawyers. Um, but I graduated law school at, the, at, at a bad time when the entire market had crashed. Um, all, all the attorneys were getting laid off and there was just no jobs available. And I noticed that uh, LexisNexis was hiring uh, people for their SEO department and consider, I just had a good relationship with them because I sold them the website. So I ended up joining their SEO department and basically never looked back. I never practiced law and kind of went full head on into digital marketing. Wow. Yeah. So you, you spent all the time in law school and got your JD, but never, never. Uh, came, don't did, remind you know, me. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's funny. Yeah. I have a, a lot of friends who are lawyers and uh, they, they, um, they definitely strike me as, uh, you know, strong people. And, you know, just, uh, I mean, to be a lawyer, you know, definitely have to have your, uh, have a strong foundation, strong, strong, like mindset and everywhere to just pursue that pr- profession. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. The, the digital marketing space is also a little bit fascinating. What, um, what, what do you, can, what can you tell us about SEO that, that we can hear to better have a better understanding of uh, the importance of it just because a common person would just hear SEO and think um, Google AdWords or like website ranking in, uh, you know, certain search engine search engines. Um, what, what do you, what do you say is like the value of SEO or like good SEO for a company? Yeah. I mean, it's a way to get um, organic traffic and revenue, um, there's, you know, there's a lot of companies, they spend a, a lot of money uh, doing all different paid ads. And, you know, SEO is really kind of like a, a long-term marketing play, um, but the benefits can be, can be amazing. Um, because, you know, you, once you build that credibility, the value, the authority with your website and you're ranking well and getting a lot of traffic, you know, that's all traffic that you don't have to pay for anymore. So, you know, somebody can make, you know, a fifty or $100,000 investment over a year or two into SEO, and that investment might end up being worth millions uh, in terms of the traffic potential uh, of those customers that they don't have to buy now from, 
you know, from paid ads like AdWords or Facebook, Instagram, things like that. Um, and gotcha. yeah, it's just, you know, it's been around for, it's kind of like one of the oldest, uh, it's basically as old as Google. Um, <laughs> so it's been around, it's been around a long time. Uh, it's definitely changing, evolving and getting more difficult. Um, I don't know if you've kind of seen what's uh, happening with open AI now, but that's definitely oh, going to change the industry. Yeah. I'd love to get your thoughts on um, the way the, the, the field is headed. Just, uh, I think that, uh, you know, I just found out about the open AI thing like a couple of days, or maybe probably a week or two ago. Um, it's a thing that Elon Musk and Altman made, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, he, he's, he's just an investor now. Elon Musk is, I don't think he's a, uh, involved in the company anymore, but the CEO is, um, he's the former CEO of uh, um, Y Combinator. Oh, so, yeah. you know, su- super smart guy. Um, but yeah, this is like the most fascinating technology that I've seen in quite some time. And this is just the beginning. So um, the ramifications of all this AI uh, content, um, as well as, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, AI images now, stock photos, things like that. It's going to have a big impact on many, many industries, right? From content writers to copywriters to graphic designers. Sure. Um, like, for example, I'm doing a lot of my email marketing campaigns um, strictly using open AI right now, just because, oh, wow. you know, the quality of the content it can generate is as good as a lot of the writers. Um, and the better you get with your prompts, the better the results are going to be. Um, um, you know, there is, I, I'd be interested to see how Google responds to all of this, right? Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of the results that uh, OpenAI is, uh, is providing is um, more succinct than better than what Google is providing. So, you know, I can get like a formula or code or an answer sure. from OpenAI, but with Google, I have to open up different links um, unless it's answered like with the, with the rich snippet. But um, uh-huh. yeah, so... It's hard to it's, hard to wrap your head around that uh, how that whole thing works, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things. It's fascinating from a technological standpoint, but it's like scary from the business standpoint because you know you're. It's definitely going to have a massive impact on a lot of different businesses and freelancers. Um, so it's one of those you kind of have to just embrace the, the technology, learn how to work with it, and make the most of it. Um, because if you try to, you know, if you kind of just try to stay away from it. It's, it, it's not a good sign. Uh, you know, things have to evolve and if you don't evolve with it, then it declines. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would love to get into that topic a little bit more, but one question I had as follow up to SEO was uh, what, 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 what do you think? Um, how, how does a good, how does a company achieve good SEO? Like, do they just spend money on keywords or like, do they, on their website, uh, do they have content that they just have blogs or they just get featured on other websites too? Like, what do you say is your strategy or like what what makes good SEO or how do you how do you mm-hmm. practice SEO? Yeah, I mean, so there's a couple of main ranking factors. Um, so Google has like their their rank brain, which is you know their own machine learning AI algorithm. Um, content is uh, extremely important, um, and then the other one is backlinks, which is uh, kind of the authority. Um, so like with uh, a recent acquisition we made, like SEObutler.com, right? These are some services that we offer uh, for uh, local SEO. We have citations. We have um, we help companies do their their link building. We provide content there as well. So all, all the kind of different individual components. 
Um, but, you know, it's all about kind of providing a good user experience uh, to the visitor, right? You want them to stay on your website and get the information they need, uh, whether that's, you know, certain content they that they're looking for or a product or service that they want to buy. Um, so, you know, you want to have like a, a good user experience, uh, a fast website, uh, good quality content and authority. And I'd say that's a good recipe for success. Yeah, a good quality content and authority. What, what what is authority? Oh, just like brand, like brand visibility, right? Uh, so by authority, I mean backlinks. So the way Google judges the authority of a website is using backlinks, right? So for example, if you have a website and you get a backlink for Forbes, Forbes is considered like a very credible website. So that having a link to your website from Forbes boosts your own oh, uh, gotcha. called domain authority. And so the more of these backlinks that you have from authoritative sources, the more that Google will see your website as an authoritative source and rank you higher. Wow. Yeah. No, thanks for telling me that Yuri. I, uh, <laughs> I would not have known that. I, th- I learned something cool today. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, that, that, that's quite a, quite the thing there. Oh, actually another follow-up question on SEO is, is that easy for you to run? Like, or is that, is that easy for you to, 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 for anyone to do or like what, what are the challenges in, in, in that getting, having a good SEO uh, for somebody's company? Yeah. Uh, I'd say it's definitely challenging and getting more so just because the amount of competition um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a very big, you pick one, it's either a big time investment if you do it yourself or it's a big financial investment. If you hire, you know, if you start outsourcing the work, um, depending on the size of the business, you might do some uh, businesses might have uh, internal teams where they do some of it themselves and uh, they might outsource the rest. So we actually work with, um, you know, a lot of small businesses, um, helping them with like their link building. We also work with um, other agencies and uh, as a, a white label. So they might have their own clients and they outsource some of the work to us. I got you. Yeah, that's that's a it's an interesting space. I think that uh, it's uh, I think you know I I feel like it's it's uh, SEO just um, it's not as uh common to to think about or it's not as glamorized or spoken about. So that's just important to to hear what uh you know about that and uh, yeah um, I think yeah. So uh, switching gears here, I think like with the open AI stuff. And, you know, you're saying that a lot of businesses and people need to adjust to it. What do you, what do you think the ramifications could be or, you know, the overall benefit from a platform such as open AI? Like what are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, we're basically coming to an age where there's going to be uh, an overabundance of information uh, and content. Um, and so I think one Google is definitely going to have a challenge of trying to identify this AI content and, uh, adjust their rankings for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, businesses can now, um, you know, they can have their content written by AI for, uh, you know, for their social media advertisements or Facebook posts for their, for their email marketing. Um, I've seen, uh, there's a, a new site I, I, I've seen where traditionally people used to go and buy stock photos but now they don't have to do that anymore. They don't have to worry about licensing, anything like that, because now the entire photo is generated by AI and it looks like an actual photograph and it's all done by AI. So there's no licenses. You don't have to worry about using somebody else's uh, images. Um, and so that opens up a lot of different 
doors and opportunities. And, you know, uh, most of these have, um, they offer API access. So now you have like this giant mm-hmm. community of developers continuing to build um, on top of that. And what you're going to see more of now is then vert- vertically integrated AI for particular industries, right? So I, I'm already seeing with open AI about how they can create, it can create contracts, right? So it's mimicking what lawyers do. It can review contracts. And what's oh, going to happen now is That's you're going to have, yeah, you're going to have legal tech companies building uh, AI strictly for the legal field. You're going to have this for the medical field, for um, for the insurance field. And now you're just going to, uh, that's kind of, I think, the new wave uh, and evolution of AI is these uh, these vertically integrated solutions rather than, you know, one AI that can do it all. It's going to be focused on specific industries. I'm going to be looking more into or doing more research into to what this platform can do. I think, you know, when people heard AI, they, they just thought about it in a, in a purely like a business to business setting, but now it's like more consumer, um, uh, consumer, like consumer focused. So, so as like a business owner, is this, what, what, how did they, how would, how would you get involved with open AI or like just what, (laughs) what, what is the normal average, average person in America or the world, you know, what, what can they do to adjust or, I mean, the first thing to do is just to kind of sign up. It's free to sign up and just start using it and playing around with it and seeing the capabilities. Um, So it's, you know, it's chat.openai.com. You can get a free account there and, you know, just start looking at the capabilities. You know, you could just go there and type in, um, you know, write me a privacy policy for a e-commerce website selling dog food and it'll just generate the entire privacy we don't have to pay at all yuri like you, you nope. and i don't have to pay 50 bucks or nothing there yeah nope completely free bucks. <laughs> oh <laughs> <wow>. <laughs> interesting man um and that's i guess taking it a step deeper than, than google or you know another search engine because google only gives you a link and open ai gives you the instructions right like step by step whether how good it is or not just that's that's their product or that's that's what they do yeah and it's it's not perfect yet and it's only uh it has information up to 2021 but you know this is just the first phase so it's definitely going to uh keep getting stronger and stronger yeah well what uh what excites you about uh, not only i mean what excites you about open ai or the chat gpt um when, when it comes to like seo or just your job or in general as a as a person on the sidelines um it seems like a hard to fathom thing for for me (laughs) yeah um, i think it's just going to open up doors for businesses they're going to be able to produce um you know campaigns marketing campaigns email campaigns cheaper faster than they were before um so you know it's going to kind of you they're not going to have to hire like um you know a big team anymore they'll be able to have like one or two people who are maybe editors um, and they're working with uh, the AI technology just to get more done. Um, you know, I, there's there's a lot of different case studies out there. I've been reading on Twitter of all the different uses for it. And, you know, everybody's going to kind of have their own modeled for their own business. Um, you know, if you think about it, just the way technology works, you know, um, it's one of those things before, like it, it might've taken like, you know, a day uh-huh. to build a car, uh, to build a car. And now you can probably, uh, you know, the 
the manufacturers can build a car maybe within a couple hours. So there's always that shift of, you know, something taking, you know, months to do. And then with technology, it takes days. So this is, this is another one of those things where before it might've taken you a couple of days to have some copy written for your website, but now you can get it done in 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I feel like the what do you call that Moore's law of it was Moore's law right of uh, innovation like it just keeps keeps uh, getting you just keep innovating as a society and and uh, it's it's quite a quite hard to keep up um, I I mean I, so for you as as a business owner and as a person who works with acquiring companies does open ai make your life a lot easier right just since uh you know maybe you can automate a task or just get information that was time consuming you know quicker yeah 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 it's it definitely makes it easier um but again you know we I kind of have to stay uh, ahead of the curve and, and see where it's going because uh you know that's going to affect the, the the businesses that we run and the services we provide um so you know we always have to be kind of like a uh, just watching where the technology goes um, because, right. you, you know, it always has effects on other businesses. So we want to kind of be ahead of the curve. No, I, I hear you. You know, is that, is that common? You think like in all these, you know, for businesses today to, to be able to follow trends, you know, like when TikTok just came on the scene or you could even go back to Instagram and um, all these new, new p- forms of, uh, well, in the marketing sense, in the, all these new forms of advertising or uh, automation, um, you know, like it, it, it seems like you have an added job of researching and making sure that where you are fits into growing along with the, the industry, like with, with industry trends. Is that something that or how do how do you recommend somebody just do that? Just keep playing around or asking questions and you know simply uh, hanging on for dear life. Really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the only thing, the best thing, and the only thing for people to do is just to uh, up to upskill, right? Um, to take courses and continue learning um, to use this technology and other technologies as as they come out, right? Because there's a lot of jobs that are going to become redundant and disappear. And if you don't want to be left behind, you have to, you know, you have to understand that and you have to, you know, educate yourself um, on this technology and these new systems, uh, operations, and, you know, make sure you're st- st- just staying up with, uh, with the knowledge and technology, um, because it definitely is going to eliminate um, a lot of jobs there. Um, so, right. you know, that's why upskilling is just so important. Uh, yeah, a couple quick questions or a couple five questions, and so like we head to the the end of the, the podcast. As uh, as somebody who's seen a lot of trends over the last decade um, with technology, when, when you were, I mean, you you had talked about just graduating law school and uh, getting into the marketing space out of college. Did you uh, anticipate all these new new innovations and how they pertain to your your department and in, in companies just because it's it's been a lot right like there's been so much and one person would would you know try to struggle swimming upstream with all of these things 
Yeah, it's. I'd say it's not really something I, I had thought about or envisioned, right? Because it's kind of hard to envision technology that sometimes seems so far away and then, it, you know, kind of creeps up on you. Sort yeah. of like even with this AI, I would have never pictured like, you know, 15 years ago that, you know, we would have something like this. Um, you know, everybody thought like, oh, Google's like too big and powerful that it's hard to take them down. And now people are saying, well, this new technology is, you know, it's better and faster than than Google. So, uh-huh. you know, it poses potentially a serious threat to them in the long run, which is why I'm sure that they're taking notice. Um, but, you know, right now we think that this is great, but, you know, there might be something in 15 years that we just can't anticipate that's going to completely blow us away. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've, 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 uh, I've seen the tech transformation happened like kind of firsthand just living in san francisco and just seeing how companies have grown uh out of nothing and like seeing how like wastelands here became tech offices and transformed cities and it's it's always always mind-boggling to uh wrap your head around because <laughs> it just happened so fast love to hear from you on a, on, a, on a couple other things just because yeah you do you do have a wealth of knowledge one, one thing i want to ask you too is what what's it been like working in in uh, on Folio? Because uh, it's kind of kind of a you know oversight position, right? Where you're, you're purchasing things. What, what how's your experience been there? Just just uh, working with entrepreneurs and, and and doing this type of business. Um, yeah, I mean it's been great. Uh, I love my job there. Um, yeah, you know I I have access to a lot of different data, so that's kind of like one of my favorite things is because I review so many different businesses for sale, um, I'm just able to see like different patterns and trends of what's doing well, what's not, what's declining, um, just based on, you know, um, a lot of the things I, that I see. Uh, I can't disclose most of it because, uh-huh. you know, I sign a, I sign an NDA for uh, yeah every prospectus I look at. Um, but again, just even internally for our own company, it gives me the kind of the data and insights that I need to, make more informed decision and the more data we have the better decisions we make um but yeah i mean it, it's been fun i love working with uh, with entrepreneurs and business owners um you know it's nice to see people like uh, who are selling their business you know they spent 10 15 years building it up and they're finally getting rewarded so it, it's definitely a good experience to kind of be a part of that i hear you man yeah uh one, one thing i ask you like what's it what's it like working in or, you know, being a digital nomad, as you said earlier, just uh, that, that, like traveling around Asia, Southeast Asia, and and also, you know, working. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it definitely can be challenging at times, uh, depending on how quickly you travel. Um, but it's also great. You know, I've probably been, I don't know, 20, 25 countries over the these last couple of years. Um, and, you know, I, I'm part of the digital nomad community and the entrepreneur community. And there's, you know, um, there's a lot of meetups in different cities, so you know we're oh, wow. instantly connected. We're instantly connected. So I could go to I could go to Thailand. I could go to Vietnam. I could uh, you know I spent a long time in Mexico, um, and there are a lot of different entrepreneurial and digital uh, marketing or digital nomad hubs all over the world. Um, and so we're all connected in these communities. We have different meetups, um, lots of different organizations. So it's yeah, it's like a worldwide uh, affair now. That's that's quite fascinating. Yeah, I was I was in, I left the continent for the first time in like eight years and went to Hawaii yesterday or last week. It was amazing, man. I feel like it's, <laughs> it's like uh, you uh, you have like 
just I don't know how to explain it, but I mean, maybe for you leaving New York or the East Coast or America, actually, um, must have been must have been a little bit what like uh, nerve wracking at first, or you know. But but once you get get like your feet on the ground and you, you figure out that uh, <laughs> you can sprout a new or grow a new seed, like that's that's so so special. I I mean I guess tips for you like for for other or entrepreneurs out there who are the people who are considering leaving or becoming a digital nomad, like what tips would you have? Yeah, um, I'd say there's a lot of different locations that uh, might attract some people more than others. For example, if you really want to dive deep into the SEO community, one of the best places to be is in Chiang Mai, Thailand, because there's, you know, there's a strong community uh, of SEOs there, including like uh, Matt Diggity. Um, you know, if you're into the crypto space, uh, probably Portugal is a good place to be just because uh, they're kind of very friendly with their taxes. Um, you know, if you are kind of... If you want to explore, I'd say maybe social media marketing, um, influencer, photographer, Bali is a good place to go. Um, so, you, you know, I think it depends on uh, what people are trying to focus on. Uh, but there's a lot of communities and websites where you can learn more. Uh, Nomad List is a good uh, directory oh, awesome. uh, um, where people can go and they can compare prices and Wi-Fi speeds. Um Facebook groups, uh, every city basically has their own Facebook groups for, for digital nomads. So you can even like do research before you go there. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you, uh, that's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's just like a new way to work, right? Just moving around the, the world and, you know, for people who do have work from home benefits or be entrepreneurs, right. Who own their own companies and can move around and not in the world too. It's not, not like businesses always you know you got to do these deals in person what do you what do you think uh what do you think about that whole thing just because people are not accustomed to it or you know the pandemic is something that catalyzed the ability to do it from you what what's your perspective on just having the ability to do that and uh (laughs) like experiencing it from your end yeah, uh, I mean, I'd say the pandemic definitely um, increased the amount of people who uh, are doing this. Um, but, you know, anybody who has a remote job, um, uh, I think for some people it's tricky because of the time zones. So, for example, like for me is right now, you know, 11 p.m. Oh, I shit. had a phone call I go last to sleep. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Uh, I had a phone call um, this morning at 2 a.m. in the morning. So, you know, you do have to kind of make s- some sacrifices. Um, I'd say, you know, definitely... Uh, it's definitely too easier to do it now before, you know, you have children or family, because I think once people have kids, um, it prevents a lot of people from right. kind of trying this out. I have seen people do it like with kids, one or two kids and, and they travel and, and have this kind of lifestyle, but it's a lot more difficult. So that's why you, you know, you see it more frequently with, uh, with younger people before they have families. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's kind of like a really special thing because I mean, yeah, if I were to bring up like the topic of vacation to you, you you would say your your, your whole life. I mean, your your, your career is almost yeah. You, you wouldn't you you wouldn't find it too relevant, right? I mean, even though you know you could always take a vacation or, but but the the the, the idea of like living somewhere or just moving around, uh, it's 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 something that uh, I think it's it's a great benefit, and I feel like you know it helps you with work life balance or just just your your life right because i feel like with um 
traditional jobs you uh you work for the weekend but uh it's, it's definitely flipped it on on side of it on, on the side of its head for for sure yeah yeah um you know i definitely encourage everybody to to try it out and, and see how they like it gotcha gotcha well you're you know thank you man it's been it's been so much fun and learning about seo and, and uh on folio uh, as well as your career too it's, it's quite a quite a fascinating space um last question last two questions here are great for you i'm gonna throw the first one at you uh, if you were to give advice to Yuri, the 20 year old self, knowing what you know now, what would you tell him? I'd say, you know, just uh, keep moving. Uh, don't be afraid to fail. That's part of the process. And just uh, learn to enjoy the process. Um, because, you know, uh, I think some people, they're kind of just waiting for the end result. And before you know it, they get there, but then they kind of missed all that uh, time in between. So, um, you know, just make sure you're doing what you love and yeah, enjoy the process. Beautifully said. Uh, next question is uh, what, what books or like what um, information sources do you think have uh, given you, given you help along your journey? Um, I mean, I follow different people uh, in the digital marketing and M&A space uh, on, on Twitter uh, and different websites and Facebook groups. Um you know, I, I find it fascinating. I, I like learning about uh, direct response marketing um, just because I find that industry fascinating. So I'll join Facebook groups like Nothing Held Back. Um, you know, Russell Brunson, he's the creator of ClickFunnels. He's got a lot of great books. Um, nice. uh, uh, um, her, I'm blanking on his first name, but Hermosi, he has got a book called The $100 Million Offer, uh, which teaches people how to craft um, offers for products. Alex, sorry, Alex Hermosi. Um, uh uh-huh. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to uh, put those in the, in the in the description of the episode. La- last question here, Yuri, is uh, if you were to articulate what a startup mindset is to you, or what is your startup mindset, what would that be? Um, I'd say you kind of have to like think as like a, a bootstrap founder. Um, so it's just a lot of grit. You know, you just have to keep doing it day in and day out, even when you're not seeing results and you know, not let that discourage you. Um, and when you can do that, then eventually over time, you're going to, you're going to see success. I take it. Well, Yuri, man, thank you so much. Last part here is, um, you know, how can listeners of the podcast follow the work that Unfolio does, or you do as a SEO consultant or in general, as you're, you know, I, I believe I read you were the, you, you run SEO Butler, right? Or one of those things. Um, how, how can they learn more about that? Uh, how could they get involved or, you know? Yeah. So they can visit our website on folio.com. And then we, there we have links to, you know, our social media, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, so we're, uh, we're posting a lot of thought leadership. Uh, we recently uh, launched um, discourse, which is our like thought leadership, uh, like blog on unfolio.com. Um, and we have a lot of uh, insights there from, you know, a lot of uh, great people in the industry. So it's definitely worth checking out. Gotcha. Well, Yuri, it's been my pleasure just uh, learning about your story and, you know, seeing, seeing, uh, unpacking all the knowledge you have. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank-